from the Oklahoma Studios. This is another edition of the Oklahoma Varsity Podcast. After a couple weeks, we're back. Uh, I'm joined in the studio today, uh, Cameron Jordan, with uh, Nick Sardis. Nick, how's it going? Going good, man. It's uh, it's it's Wednesday. It's a little chilly outside, but it's actually a pretty beautiful day when the wind blows. It's kind of chilly, but uh, no, we're uh, we're almost done with football season. There's only three games left. It's kind of kind of hard to believe, but um, last weekend was uh was the big weekend. There were six championship games, with five of those being at UCO. Um, it was a uh, from my perspective, it was a pretty it was a pretty good weekend. I think we're going to talk a little bit about um talk a little bit about this weekend's championship games, but first we want to recap a little bit about some of the things we saw last weekend and i think overall it was a it was a really good weekend at uco and and there were plenty of big time plays that happened throughout the game but i think there's one that you and i both agree that just really stands out from saturday oh yeah kobe cruz uh for those who haven't seen it please see it (laughs) (laughs) carl albert defensive back and wide receiver uh, against mcginnis in the class 5a state title game second quarter he uh, rushes from the side of McGinnis's offensive line for a field goal attempt, and instead of he was unblocked, so instead of you know just knocking it down and blocking it, he catches it in the air and runs 71 yards for a touchdown. It was probably the best play I've seen this season. It looked like he was catching it from a jugs machine. Like it looked like if it would have been a jugs machine, like from a kicker's position, he caught it just like that in stride and was gone. That no one had a chance to catch him. It was amazing. It really was. Oh, I say no one had a chance to catch him. Zach Smith, McGinnis's kicker, almost caught him. But he's extremely but, fast for a kicker. <laughs> he's an athlete. <laughs> yeah. But but it was. I still like watching the replay. I think in the. I think you and I in the press box sat there and had it on your computer and watched it like twenty times, like at halftime. I didn't know what I just. What happened? I didn't know what I had just seen. <laughs> I was just. And I was th- shocked. I was like, did he really just catch that in the air? And yeah, he, and that's yeah. the thing. It happened so fast during play that like. And he did it so smooth, like he didn't even stop running. Like he just, he just caught it and just like never even missed a beat and just like. Yeah, he was twenty yards down the sideline. Funny when he realized he had the ball. Like <laughs> exactly. we all knew it was blocked, but, <laughs> yeah. but it was like, oh, he never dropped it. Yeah, it was and, phenomenal. Yeah, that was that was one of the that was one of the really good plays. Um, another one from Saturday, and this from the first game, a really good play. Uh, Colby Cassis, a wide receiver for uh, for uh, Lincoln Christian up in Tulsa. Had an incredible one-handed uh, catch. I think it was a 45-yard reception that put Lincoln Christian down to the two. And they eventually scored, and it was on their first or second drive of the second half. And uh, uh, Chase Ricky just threw him, the, just threw the ball up to him, and he just stuck his hand out. And uh, our photographer, got to give a name drop here, Sarah Phipps, got a fantastic photo of it. Um, you can see how well he's focused on the ball. Uh, Blake Noel was in coverage. Blake Noel's a TCU commit for Plainview. He was in coverage, and he had a good position on the play. But it didn't matter because the ball was just thrown in a really good spot, and it was, uh, and it ended up becoming just a really spectacular catch. But that compared to the Kobe Cruz play, it they as good as a one-handed catch can be, it just didn't match up. Like no. that's how good that one play was. It was special for sure. Another play from Friday night, um, Nick. I know you weren't there, but I, I'm pretty sure you've seen video of it because you were you were with Cashin. But the Quantrill Walker 79-yard touchdown run. Oh yeah, that is one of the best runs plays anything in state championship history it was a marshawn lynch beast mode it, type play that is exactly what it was he yeah. okay so quantrell walker gets the ball they're on the left hash he runs at the left sideline he gets tripped up and almost falls almost falls for about an eight nine ten yard gain well he regains his balance and takes off takes up off the sideline and there's no one in front of him just just him and green grass because he'd broken a couple tackles and then avoided being tripped up 
Well, Brennan Presley, the Oklahoma State commit from Bixby, is running from the, from his corner position on the other side of the field. And Brennan's fast, and so Brennan caught him. And Quantrell Walker's not slow by any means. Quantrell Walker's a speedster himself. But Brennan, is, Brennan catches him from the other side, gets to him at about the 25-yard line, and is taking a really good angle at him. But Quantrell sees him and cuts back across, and, just, and Brennan had no chance to catch him. Well, then three people come from behind because Quantrell had to slow up a little bit when he made that cut. Three people come up from behind and try to tackle Quantrell, and he shook them all off and eventually gets into the end zone. And everybody was losing their mind in the press box, in the stands. Even Bixby fans were, like, probably a little bit confused what happened. But the way that he was able to, like you said, Marshawn Lynch is a fantastic comparison. Yeah. That's what it was. It was a beast mode run. Yeah. Um, no, but that was uh, – that was one of the plays that, that – those are some of the plays that really stood out. What did you think overall of just the weekend? Saturday, I know Saturday was a busy day with three games, but what did you think overall of the crowds the weekend, just just how it was having all the championships at one site? I mean, I loved having it at one site for sure. Uh, I feel like it's just a very special atmosphere, like a type of – you know, it kind of reminds me of the big house with basketball, you know, just having it all in one place. Um, I really – I enjoyed it for sure. I think I think that's one of the things that could be positive about this, and especially with the passage of uh, Maps Four yesterday. I think one of the big things that the OSSA is wanting to kind of get into the practice of doing is that multi-purpose stadium that is included in the Maps Four. Um, when they build that, it's going to be close to downtown Oklahoma City, and they want to eventually make that like the home for all of the state championship games. And so, if they're going to start making a house for it in the center of the state. Why not try it at UCO, see how it goes? So they can practice this for a few years so when they get down to having the state tournaments at the one side at that new proposed multi- at that stadium, then you can have the opportunity to to do it. You already know what you're doing because you've been doing it up at UCO. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think, obviously, for us it's good because we get to watch all the games, get to watch all the players that we don't normally get to see all year. The Tulsa teams that we don't get to cover most of the year get to see them in person unless they come down. We get to watch those athletes. We get to watch the athletes that we've covered all year, like Carl Albert McGinnis. Um, but then it was good for, I think, the normal fan because there were a bunch of people at all the games. Um, yeah. I think the least attended game was the 11 a.m. game on Saturday between Lincoln Christian and Plainview, but that was also fighting the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. And that's really hard to kind of compete when you're talking about a college football champion or uh, conference title game with a high school state title game at 11 a.m., a lot of people aren't going to want to come out and watch that. But I think the Carl Albert McGinnis crowd was really good. Um, the 6A1 game that night, that crowd was really uh, was really good between Owasso and Jinx. They both traveled down well. They were able to find their way to Edmond and yeah. and come to the game, and, and sure. it worked out. Um, <laughs> but uh, even on Friday, the crowds were fantastic. The Poto-Weatherford crowd, both those t- uh, 1 p.m. kickoff, uh, there were close to seven, 8,000 people there. They shut down... Both towns shut down, packed the stands. It was a great atmosphere. Um, looking at a uh, kind of looking ahead at this weekend, you were I, I re- obviously read your story last week. You got to see Cashman for the first time this year, and you and you told me that they're the real deal. And and I mean they've they they've been pitched that way. I mean they only brought back twenty one of twenty two returning starters, but <laughs> I mean doing that in any class is is spectacular. But in class A, it's ridiculous. And I mean they're just they're so good. Oh yeah, they're uh, they're very. Man, for a Class A team, I mean, definitely the best Class A team that I've seen. Uh, they just they got stars all over the field. They don't really have like one like huge like star, but they have a lot of really good players, and uh, they're they're a special team for sure. That's one thing that I, that I noticed because one of the one of the best players in the game that I covered uh, earlier this year was Caden Harrell. 
He yeah. and but in in the last two playoff games, one of their and you say best players. I mean, you can look at stats, touchdowns, and obviously coaches see things differently. But just looking at kind of like who who's filling the stat sheet most, and that was Caden Harrell at the game that I saw them earlier this season, uh, back against Christian Heritage. I know that was early on, but uh, in the last couple weeks of the playoffs, it's been T.J. Roberts who's been yes. taking care of business, the running back, and he's been tremendous. I think he has what seven touchdowns over the last two weeks. He's and, he's a big back. He's like six one, one ninety five, and uh, he's he's difficult to tackle for sure. I think uh, I was expecting. I, I mean. I was expecting a little bit of a closer game on Friday because Pawnee coming coming in undefeated, they hadn't really been tested. They coming off of, I think they scored sixty seven points or seventy four in the quarterfinals. Um, I mean, they just dominated in the quarterfinals. Um, well, I mean, it was a great first half. It really was. They were trading touchdowns basically, and Cashin had a had a small lead, but second half the Cashin defense just, I mean, just completely dominated. They held Pawnee, which. Pawnee does not pass the ball very often. <laughs> they uh, they passed the ball four times, and that was the first time they had passed the ball since the first round of the playoffs. So um, they held them to 38 rushing yards in the second half and just completely dominated. So I believe, if I remember correctly, you mentioned they had passed since the first round of the playoffs. I think going into the game, obviously not counting two point conversions, just in like just in like regular plays, um, they'd only thrown the ball 12 times all year. Yeah. Now their quarterback was like. 8 of 11 for six, with yeah. six touchdowns Yeah, because it's the same thing as like Piedmont's offense. They don't pass yeah. a lot, but when they do, they make it count. you're not expecting it. Yeah, you yeah. make it count. But you kind of saw it this way too. When they're forced to pass, it's not anything they did do, and they're not good at it no. because they're so used to just running the ball and, and running it down people's throats. Um, looking at the matchup this week with Ringling, it's 13-0 uh, and 0 against 12-1. and 1. Um, I'm really interested to see what Ringling, Ringling can do. Um it's uh, Philip Coons is down there, the former Tuttle, former uh, uh, Clinton coach down in down in Ringling, and he's only lost. He took over last year, and they're twenty two and two under his watch. Uh, they lost one game last year, and they've lost one game this year. So uh, they're playing really, really well. Um, they've they've re- they recorded two shutouts in the first two rounds of the playoffs, and uh, came up with a really big upset win last week against uh, Rejoice Christian. And but you look at Cashin. I mean, Cashin's just been like like you said, their defense is what's so dominant. They've only given up. Let's see, twenty-eight points in the playoffs in four games, and they've just—they're dominating teams. It's—it's it's really hard to describe. And like you—and like you said, I think that's one of the reasons why Cashin has been able to be so dominant this year, and why they have such that good team. They returned all those starters, but there's not one guy who stands out. There's so many different weapons on that offense, and even—and even the defense. Yeah, a lot, a lot of weapons. Uh, Brexton Green is another guy, very good. Uh, Alex Nabat, how do you pronounce the baby? Okay, yeah, he's. He's a really good wide receiver, and uh, he also carries the ball a lot too. So, I mean, they they got players all over the field. Ben Harmon's a great quarterback. So, so yeah. Ben's the only one who's uh, Ben was the only uh, person we mentioned that they had twenty one to twenty two returning starters. Um, Ben's the only person on that team who didn't come back or, yeah. or or who didn't start last year. Excuse me. And so and he's been really good this year. So if yeah. you can get that out of your quarterback, that's going to be pretty good. You got a you got a prediction for this game? Oh man. I think you and I are both on the same page here because we both yeah. picked Cash and win it all at the beginning of this. I, I picked Cash at the beginning of the playoffs, and I mean, I don't have any reason to think otherwise. I'm so. not. I'm not changing my pick either. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going with Cash in this one. Yeah, me too. Uh, kind of. We'll kind of preview a little bit. Uh, the Friday game, Class B. It's a rematch between a uh, Regent Prep of Tulsa and Shattuck. Um, Shattuck has won 11 state titles in 13 seasons. Um, Coach uh, Troy Bullard. 
I believe looking at his coming into this year, he was 161 and nine. His overall record at Shattuck, and this year they've only added 13 games to that. So now he's 174 and nine in his coaching career. That's just ridiculous how good they've been. But Regent Prep is 14 and 0, and and they've and they've had mercy rule victories in every single game, even in the playoffs, which just seems just seems ridiculous. But it's happened. It doesn't matter how good the opponents have gotten through the round. That's how good they've been all year. They have a, and they definitely have a few. Uh, a few players, uh, Regent Prep does, uh, Brayden Gilbert at quarterback, Jack Wright at wide receiver, who are going to make plays. So those are a couple names to watch out for if you head out to that game. Um, I'm picking Regent Prep. They were my pick beforehand. I think you picked Shattuck to win it all. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, uh, it's really hard to go against Shattuck because they don't lose in this situation. They're like Carl Albert. They don't yeah. lose if they get to the title game. But I just I have a feeling this is Regent's year. They, they brought back almost everyone from the team last year. It was a tie game going into the fourth quarter, and Shattuck was able to score two touchdowns. And – I just think that uh, Regent Prep's got the offense and the defense to get it done. I do not think it's going to be a mercy rule game, though. No, no, I think it's I think it's going to be a great game. I think uh, you know the the sustained success of Shattuck just for me is is hard to overlook. So that's why I'm going with Shattuck. Yeah, it's uh, I'm really interested to kind of see how that one unfolds. That's going to be a 7 p.m. kickoff at Western Heights High School on Friday. And then the and then uh, the cashing game is a 1 p.m. kickoff at UCO. That's that's the first game at UCO, uh, Cash and Ringling. And then uh, we have Metro Christian and Vianne, uh, Tulsa Metro Christian and Vianne. And this and this matchup is the 7 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. And this game is going to be a classic matchup of offense versus defense. You have Metro Christian, who's a fantastic offensive team, and the the keys in the offense are given to quarterback Asher Link. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. A couple weeks ago, he had eight touchdowns in the quarterfinals in a 55-13 to win against Washington, which was just ridiculous because Washington was undefeated at the time, and here comes Asher Link going and putting up eight touchdowns. But then on the other hand, you have Vianne, whose, defense ha- whose starting defense has not given up a touchdown since week eight against Holland Hall. Last week in the semi in the semifinals against Kingston, Kingston didn't get a first down until there was one minute and forty seconds left in the third quarter. So, I mean, pick your poison with this matchup. If you're a defensive fan, you're going to be cheering for Vianne. If you're an offensive fan, you're going to be cheering for Metro Christian. Um, I'm really interested to see how this game goes because it's going to be it's the two. These are I think these have been two of the top teams in two A all year. Even though two A is a little bit open, uh, more open this year than it has been in past years. But I. I, I was leaning Metro Christian, honestly, at the beginning of the week, but as I've done more research, it, Vian's defense is the real deal. I don't know, man. Metro, I mean, because I, I saw Washington play twice this year, and I was very impressed with Washington. I mean, for them to put up 55 points and for Asher Link to score eight touchdowns against Washington to me, I just I, I can't overlook that. So I, I, I'm going to go with Metro, but uh, I can definitely understand why you would – why you choose otherwise i mean i i don't know i haven't i don't know if i'm if i'm comfortable enough to make a pick yet i because like you said i've thought metro's metro's been uh my number one ranked team all season long vian's been right there in the top five but man that their defense just looking at what they've done i mean it's just been incredible and and it's all it all starts with uh i wrote a story today about uh the Wright brothers, solomon Wright and elijah Wright. elijah's a senior solomon's a junior they're the son of a former oklahoma state uh, star and NFL linebacker Kenyatta Wright and I, uh, I talked with Kenyatta yesterday, Coach Gary Willis at Vianne as well and just talked with them about uh, why their defense has been so great and how the, the two Wright brothers have kind of starred in that. They have four people on the defense who have recorded more than 100 tackles this year and three of those four have at least 10 sacks and the other one has seven. 
It's just <laughs> they play an aggressive style of defense, and it's it's working clearly. So uh, that one's also going to be an interesting matchup. Um, what would you say you're looking forward to most this week and about kind of the three games? Because I think you you and I are going to be at all three of them. What do you think you're looking forward to most? Man, that's that's difficult. Um, that Cash and Ringling game is really intriguing to me. I don't know. I Maybe because I've followed Cash and really closely uh, because they're a local team and they're still in it. But that, that game to me is, is going to be pretty interesting, so that's the one I'm going to go with. I, th- I, I, would, I would probably have to say that too. I think that I think that I'm interested to see if Cashin can finally get it done. Yeah. They've been so close so many times under uh, Coach yep. Lynn Shackelford, and just they've never been able to cross the finish line. The last time they made it to state uh, in 2015, they got to this point they were really dominant, and then they and then they ended up losing by I think like I think it was a pretty big loss to yeah. uh, Strother if I'm remembering correctly. But I think that this is a different team. It's uh, it's it's just seemed different all year. Um, this is the best team that they've ever had. Uh, they've been the favorite all year, or Stratford, excuse me, sixty-seven to twenty-eight loss against Stratford in the in the title game back yeah. in twenty fifteen, and they lost to Thomas the year before in that title game, twenty-eight to nothing. So, but no, I, I just I really believe in this Cashin team. I think that they've been the best team all year. Um, but another thing that I'm interested to see is I kind of mentioned this earlier is Jack Wright from Regent Prep. I know he play, I know it's eight man football. I don't care. Anyone who can catch sixty touchdowns in a single season has got to be a sort of a ball player. I mean, yeah. and he set a national. A career record, a national career record earlier this year for receiving touchdowns. So you know he's the real deal. It's going to be uh, it's going to be really interesting to kind of see how uh, to kind of see how everything goes. And uh, no, but I think this weekend is uh, I think this weekend is going to be another good one up at UCO. Um, what else you got to add? Um, uh, Asher Link. I uh, really, really want to see him in person. I, I do too. I'm excited just, to see him. Uh, he's he's got an offer from Air Force and. Uh, uh, Kansas State has shown interest too, so um, interested in seeing him, seeing how he plays. So awesome! Um, well, that's really all from us uh, this week. Uh, we've had a couple couple weeks off of the podcast, but we're back. Uh, hopefully, uh, if you guys have missed the past couple episodes, go fill back in. Uh, we've been trying to get more coaches on, but here in the next couple weeks, we're going to be transitioning into more of the winter sports coverage. Uh, uh, Nick and I are going to be pretty busy knocking out the all-state team. We're actually going to start. Uh, compiling some stuff for that today and start looking at uh, the rosters and looking at potential fits but we'll uh we'll uh once we get more uh, in depth into that we'll have the initial list out and i'm uh, kind of excited to get digging on the all-state team so that's always something fun to work on so but i know this has been another edition of the actually actually wait Go one, ahead. Se- one second we got a little bit of news i believe on the class 5a front there was a player of the year announced can you please uh announce who won player of the year for oh, district, a certain district dist- District Player of the Year 5A2, which is the district that three of the four semifinal teams came from, including uh, Carl Albert, McGinnis, and Piedmont, and the two state championship teams. Uh, Class 5A2, Javion Trailer, uh, was named District Player of the Year today. Along with, there's almost, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the accolades for that district, uh, Dominic Richardson, Offensive Player of the Year, Brendan Walker, Defensive Player of the Year, those, are, those guys are both from McGinnis. Um, you have Alphonse Joseph, Lineman of the Year, Carl Albert, Aaron Beck, McGinnis, Special Teams Player of the Year. Uh, who votes <laughs> for these? It's that's the coaches who pick the all district teams. So that's so. A, that says a lot. I mean, it if well, look at what Javion Trailer does. He catches passes for touchdowns on offense. Hey. He intercepts passes for touchdowns on defense, and on special teams, he returns punts and kicks for touchdowns. So what what can't he do? Hey, 
been talking him up all year. You know I have. <laughs> Called him the most underrated player in the state about, uh, let's see, a couple months ago. I'd say halfway, about, about halfway through the year. About halfway Once you watched him year. a couple times. I watched him once. <laughs> watched him once. That's all I needed to see. One time. He just completely dominated Midwest City. He had a really big touchdown catch in the title game, too. I actually think... He did. I actually think that was the game-winning... Like, the, eventually the game-winning score, because it was the one that put him up for good. He is he is a Division One talent, and I'm not really sure why he hasn't been offered by a Division One school, but they need to uh, open their eyes up a little bit. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, yeah. He congrats to congrats to Javon and congrats to all the players who have earned uh, earned their all district awards and those are coming out left and right, up and down this week. So, but yeah, this is uh, this has been another edition of the Oklahoma's Varsity Podcast. Uh, we're going to be out at uh, we're going to be out at uh, Wantland Stadium on Saturday all day, and then at uh, Western Heights on Friday covering the final three state championship games. And uh, make sure to follow all of our work at Oklahoma.com under the High School Sports tab. And you can all and you can also follow us on Twitter uh, uh, at Nick Nick underscore Sardis, right? Yes, sir. And then at Cam underscore Jordan. So it's uh everything's kind of uh everything's pretty easy to follow us. We're pretty boring on Twitter. Uh our at names at least are boring, but the content that we bring you, our tweets we bring you, they're fire. So make sure you guys follow along, give us a follow. Uh, make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast, uh let us know what you guys want to hear on the podcast. And uh like I said, basketball season's right around the corner, but we still got one more week of football left. So thanks for listening uh to another edition of the Oklahoma's varsity podcast.